All right, we are back. I don't know if any of you caught this, but on yesterday's Insight program over at KXJZ, they were examining various forms of uh, of radio, community radio, uh, pirate radio, uh, low-power radio, and uh, taking part in that uh, was yours truly, where I had a chance to meet for the first time Jeff Shaw, who's the... Uh, station manager at our low-power radio station right here in Davis, KDRT. Talking in the green room, we thought it'd be good to uh, to bring Jeff on to, uh, to Radio Parallax to talk to you guys uh, about what's going on over there. So he's here to do just that. Yeah, thank you, Douglas. I had a good time meeting you. I've, I've heard your show before many times, and I've seen your ad in the comic press and review. Jeff, tell, tell us, I'm, I'm shocked to realize, looking at your website, you guys have been on the air about two years. Yeah, I'm shocked, too. I mean, not really, but uh, we have made it to two years, and we're coming up on that. We launched September 24th, 2004, and so we've uh, grown quite a bit since then, and uh, we're really going to be going through a pretty big growth phase, I think, this coming year. Well, it, it's it's uh, it's nice to know that uh, KDVS is not the only game in town here in the city of Davis. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we couldn't have... We did... We A lot of people from KDVS... Um, helped us out in the beginning, and I, I grew up listening to KDVS, and I'm a huge supporter, of course. So it's been really a great thing that we have two radio stations in town, and um, and uh, I feel I really feel KDVS kind of has a regional reach, and uh, I, I think Cater sort of serves a much smaller uh, com- community, just just Davis, of course. So I think we work really well together. Mr. Callison mentioned on the show yesterday about how uh, he got a start over at. Uh, at, uh, at, at Community Access here in Sacramento, and, and you guys are an extension of Davis Community Television here in town. Yes, we are. Um, we kind of labeled ourselves as like a project of Davis Community Television just to sort of um, make it easier for people to understand that the license is held by Davis Community Television, which is a nonprofit that um, has within its mission uh, serving the community media needs of Davis, and it, it did not say in the bylaws that it was just cable television, and so we felt that it was uh, it was simple enough to um, extend that mission to community radio. And of course, at the time, you were awarded points for having um, a community presence, and the best nonprofit in town um, at the time that uh, we were applying seemed like Davis Community Television, uh, and it seems like a natural home for for um, the low-power radio license, so that's kind of how it came about, and um, Davis Community Television has, within its uh, purview, sort of trains people on television techniques and television uh, and video production, as it were, so audio is, um, you know, audio is a whole other ballgame, it's been a lot of fun sort of learning. I, I have some experience in radio, but not nearly as much as a lot of people and uh, so I've actually learned quite a bit also in my in my time. Likewise, you'll get a lot of people here that are going to uh, go on to uh, bigger and better things. Yeah, you know, it's a, sort of a mix because in, in some respects we sort of, um, people understand that it's low power and they're not necessarily in it for their whole, you know, the whole ego part of it and uh, they don't necessarily want to go on to bigger and better things. But then there's also people who, who really are just amazing at what they do and hopefully will go on to bigger and huge things. Um, there's already shows that are expanding, sort of, and going to, you know, The Voice or sort of trying to grow as they, in order to stay, um, you know, uh, in order to stay um, growing, I guess, and expand. And, um, you know, we support them 
support them 100 percent. Well, we we, uh, we look forward to more meshing between your organization and ours here. Yeah, KDVS is, uh, I, in some respects, you know, KDVS is just that great chaos that ensues down there, I think, and it really uh, generates some really interesting stuff. And so, <laughs> in some respects, I, I hope KDVS, I will always support KDVS and, and its form of a, K, a certain brand of chaos that exists down there. Jeff, I like that. The chaos theory of KDVS radio. <laughs> it's yes. excellent. Yes, it produces some uh, interesting radio for sure. Well, Jeff Schaub, station director over at uh, KDRT, KDIRT, uh, better, known a- better known as KDIRT here in town. Um, right. Grow where the grassroots grow. Yeah, don't be a stranger. Your anniversary here is the 24th. Maybe we should come back and celebrate that. Excellent. Thanks, Douglas. All righty. All right. Take care. Okay. All right. All right, I do feel a little bit bad. We've been meaning to talk to some folks from from uh, K Dirt for quite some time, and to realize they've been on the air for two years. Well, better late than never, as they say. I'm I'm looking at their website right now. We'd refer you to kdrt.org and looking at their schedule. You can hear Counterspin uh, over on 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 K Dirt. There's Sprouts Radio, a program out of Radio Pacifica. Uh, quite local dirt. Can be heard right here on KDVS on uh, on Thursday mornings, and you can also hear it on it looks like Tuesday evenings over in K K Dirt. I guess they got their start over at K Dirt before moving over with us. So uh, uh, our two organizations clearly are linked, and I hope that we can uh, be be better coordinated perhaps in the future. Anyway, speaking of of local radio, we've been promising on this show for some time we were going to speak to our good friend Dr. Andy Jones of Dr. Andy's Poetry and Technology Hour about that uh, notable William Butler Yeats poem, The Second Coming. And joining us now, hopefully to talk about that, is Dr. Andy. Hello, Dr. Doug. How are you? Nice (laughs) to talk to you. I'm well, sir. Um, Is this a good time to talk about, about Yeats and The Second Coming? You know, right now I am drowning in papers. I've got students waiting to see me. It, we are in full swing in the second summer session. I'm teaching uh, three classes this uh, summer session. So it's it's not the best time. You think we can try for next week? I, I think we can. Just that I've been promising it for so long, I thought I'd best give you a call. But if you want to do it next week, by God, that's what we'll do. Well, right now I'm at Mishka's Cafe, and I've got a bunch of... Uh, students hungry for A's and hoping that I'll tell them exactly that little bit of wisdom that once they put it in their papers will assure them the 4.0. Well, uh, <laughs> clearly this is the wrong time then to be talking about uh, about Yates, but, uh, but I'm sure that your students will want to tune into that next week. I think they will, and I'll remind my listeners as well to check out your show next Thursday afternoon at 5 on KDVS. <laughs> All right, Doctor Andy. I I, I I I just had a feeling this might happen, but uh, doggone it, we'll we'll get it done. We'll keep trying, Doug. I, I appreciate your persistence. All right. Well, you you know my you know my passion for poetry. Oh, absolutely. It's it's rivaled only by mine. Yes, indeed. All right, sir. Well, uh, good luck with the students. I remember what it was like being a student here uh, back in the Pleistocene era, and we we wish you and them well. Thank you very much, Doug. I'll talk to you very soon, indeed. All righty. And, of course, is our good friend, Dr. Andy Jones, and his program can be heard Wednesdays here on KDVS at 5 p.m.
Yes, Mr. McMillan, that is kind of the theme of today's show, I think, with a little help from our friends. And our good friend, Dr. Gary Aguilar, uh, sent us uh, an email pointing us to the Common Dreams News Center, where you know you can find a lot of the guests we've had on this program. Danny Schechter appears on Common Dreams commonly. Robert Perry uh, is on there. Some real journalists that we're proud to have uh, to have brought to you here uh, uh, here on this show, but uh, this was an article by Robert Freeman that uh, that Dr. Aguilar thought we might want to quote from, and uh, he is correct. So let me excerpt uh, a little bit of this. It was titled "Rehabilitating Fascism: How Would We Know It If We Saw It?" With his announcement that the war on terror is actually a war on Islamo-fascism, President Bush has opened a fruitful debate. As is so common with Bush, however, his use of the term seeks to stigmatize more than characterize, to evoke glandular excretions more than intellectual reflections. But in one sense, the president has performed a useful service. By reintroducing fascism into legitimate public discourse, by rehabilitating it, as it were, the president may actually help inform the country about the real dangers it faces as the war on terror continues its relentless march. For the better part of 60 years, fascism was a term of intense odium, too heavily freighted with moral opprobrium to even be used in polite conversation. Use of the term against political foes automatically removed its user from the realm of legitimate discussion. Yet, it's precisely the power of fascism, at least of those who practice it, that has made it such a compelling and recurring form of national rule. What exactly does it mean? In classic terms, fascism is defined by five characteristics of governance. National aggression, fusing of the state with corporate interests, single-party rule, the suppression of civil liberties, and pervasive propaganda. All of these inhered in the Italian, German, and Japanese governments of the 30s and 40s. All of them would have to be present before the label fascism could legitimately be applied to a modern regime. Freeman goes on to analyze these uh, point by point. We would refer you to the article. We would only note that the, the last item, the final characteristic that marks the existence of fascism is pervasive propaganda. He reminds us that it was in Mein Kampf, written in 1925, that Hitler first proposed the big lie as a technique for controlling the thoughts of the masses. Lie and lie big. And lie often. Lenny Riefenstahl's Triumph of the Will became the canonical film embodying the practice of pervasive state-driven propaganda. He goes on to point out that by these criteria, it is doubtful that Muslims resisting military occupation of their lands, the massacre of their people, and the theft of their resources by Western invaders can be considered fascist. Echoing uh, Robert Freeman's thoughts was Jeffrey Nunberg in the Los Angeles Times, who noted that by lumping secular ex-Bathist insurgents, Shiite death squads, Al-Qaeda, Hezbollah, Palestinian militants, and disaffected British-born Pakistanis under one term, Bush reduces a complex story to a simple fable. The deception is deliberate because it enables Bush to lump the unpopular war in Iraq with the conflict against terrorists who have targeted the U.S. and the West. All these various enemies are dangerous, but that doesn't mean they're all of a single mind and purpose or that a blow against any one of them is a blow against the others. Says Nunberg, the war against Islamic fascists is just more fuzzy thinking. 
And uh, speaking of the uh, the so-called war on terror, we'd like to cite an email sent by Paul, noting uh, the interesting development uh, with our good friends, the Pakistanis. Evidently, Major General Shakut Sultan Khan, press secretary to the president of Pakistan, told ABC News that if found, Osama bin Laden wouldn't be arrested as long as he promises to behave like a, quote, peaceful citizen, unquote. No, as long as one is being like a peaceful citizen, one would not be taken into custody, said Khan. One has to stay like a peaceful citizen and not allowed to participate in any kind of terrorist activity. According to the Voice of America, security experts say Afghan insurgents and remnants of Osama bin Laden's al-Qaeda terrorist network have managed to establish several bases in the region. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, this is the border region of Pakistan in Afghanistan. Remember the war in Afghanistan? Well, things have gotten slightly diverted into a war in Iraq. Meanwhile, Osama bin Laden is hanging out. And by the way, if our good friends the Pakistanis find him, apparently as long as he remains a peaceful citizen, he can stay right where he is. I thought, I thought you were either with us or you're against us. So, uh, you know, what are we going to do about our friends, the Pakistanis? In uh, other not-so-good news from Pakistan, the government reported a couple weeks back that uh, rogue scientist Abdul Qadir Khan is at the center of an international nuclear proliferation scandal involving North Korea, Libya, and Iran has prostate cancer. Officials said the disease was not at an advanced stage, but if the 70-year-old Khan dies, it will be the final frustration for foreign authorities who'd been barred by Islamabad from questioning him. Khan is still revered as a hero in Pakistan as the father of the Islamic world's first atomic bomb. In January 2004, he made a televised confession in which he admitted passing nuclear secrets to Libya, Iran, and North Korea, which placed him in the thick of a global atomic black market. By the way, the atomic program they were trying, they were trying to start in Iraq was uh, also being supplied by AQ Khan. He's quite a guy, but uh, our friends, the Pakistanis, are not anxious to have anyone else go in and talk to him about what he's been up to. And uh, speaking of near Armageddon, we like to refer you to the Sacramento News and Review's August 31st edition, uh, article by Stephen James on the end of times approaching, uh, noting that some evangelical Christians believe the latest conflict in the Middle East suggests that the rapture may be near. I didn't realize until I read this article, there's actually an online rapture index, a kind of Dow Jones industrial average of end-time activity that tracks pre-rapture conditions that portend the end of days, such as drought, famine, and war. It's hovering uh, within 20 points of its all-time high. You can evidently check that out at, uh, at www.raptureready.com. And for those of you not familiar with this uh, bit of lunacy, the article points out that uh, evangelical Christians believe that a consortium of forces will attempt to demolish the state of Israel and that that battle will trigger the second coming of Jesus Christ, who will come to the aid of the Jews. He will fight, and his forces will fight against those who want to annihilate the Jewish people. 
The significance of the second coming will not be missed by Jews, who apparently on the first go-round failed to identify their own Messiah. Spokesman Del Tar quoted in the article, he's evidently an administrator and the designated rapture authority at uh, our local Looney Bin Capital Christian Center, uh, Sacramento's Evangelical Megachurch. Now, according to this mystical interpretation of the Book of Revelations, the rather screwball addendum to the, uh, to the New Testament, um, Christ comes back, this is quoting Tar, Christ comes back and protects the Jewish nation. For the first time, the Jewish nation is going to recognize that he was the Messiah that came before, and they're going to accept him as their Messiah. There are numerous uh, fundamentalist uh, Jews in Israel who believe that uh, the first coming of the Christ, uh, the first coming of the Messiah is imminent, and these people are working, uh, you know, hand-in-hand with our, our local homegrown variety of fundamentalists. And uh, they appear to be influential in the halls of government, and unlike the old days when people thought war was a bad idea, these people think war is, in fact, a great idea, because it means Jesus is coming back. All right, I think we need a break. I'm Douglas Everett. You're listening to Radio Parallax on KDVS 90.3 FM, Davis, Sacramento. Sacramento. 